Today is Monday, October 31st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A Halloween crowd surge in Seoul, South Korea leads to a massive tragedy. We will have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through the news of the day or the news of the cray, as we call it, Trey Gones Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. What's going on, guys? Happy Reformation Day. That's right. I'm two coffees in and ready to talk about it. <laughs> I just can't believe we're already, I mean, we say this a lot, but we're already to the end of October. I know. So, which that means tomorrow Christmas starts. I, know. I just oh, no. to say, just say it, Trey. All you care about is Christmas. That Go is. ahead. Let's say it. Trey is uh. speeding towards Christmas faster than a speeding bullet. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, you're, you're a little obnoxious on that. Although I will say the farm near, the, the farm near us is... They've got the Christmas lights, like the big light show that everyone drives through. They've already got it up, so it's right? it's getting right. You can't go through I it mean, yet, but you see it on why, every night. It's just... Why delay the joy is my question. <laughs> why mean, delay the I, joy? Yeah. You should just open a Christmas store. You could have it all year round. Yeah. Selling sure. ornaments in July. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll test your theory to see how much people are into it. <laughs> people buying ornaments in June. Well, I mean, there, if you go to like any touristy place, like there's a tacky Christmas shop that's there all year round. Yeah. And Trey has been to each of them. I, yeah, he has. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll dive into Trey's Christmas obsession a little bit later in the podcast. But uh, for now, we're going to have to talk about the Halloween obsession. And uh, we are going to talk about some Christians warning about it. Um, should you celebrate it or not? And we'll have the details on that. Plus on the main thing, how one coffee company has... Uh, they're tying being pro-life right into the business model. Uh, we'll talk about that and more. But first, we're going to go through the news in 90 seconds. A couple of big tragedies happened in two separate places around the globe this weekend. First, a footbridge collapsed in India when 400 people were on it. Officials confirmed that at least 132 people have died because of that. And then in Seoul, South Korea, a massive crowd gathering for a Halloween celebration ended up leading to a crowd surge. And people were essentially bottled in in tight city streets with nowhere to go. And, it, and 120 people died. And the scenes are weird because it's not like a panic stampede, but they're all stuck and really squished in. And it's, it's really tragic. So um, definitely praying for uh, both of those communities there. And a shocking new report from the British government details Christian persecution in Iran. And the report noted that simply being Christian in Iran can get you arrested. And it found that the government conducted police raids on Christian gatherings. And the most targeted are those who have converted from Islam to Christianity. And the blame game has started on both sides of the aisle over the attack on Paul Pelosi. Even as many Republicans and conservatives have condemned the attack, Conservative commentator Glenn Beck, for example, strongly denounced it and urged for prayer for the Pelosi family. Well, some Democrats are blaming Republican rhetoric for it, and Republicans are pointing out that this is not a party-specific phenomenon, noting a Bernie Sanders supporter shot Steve Scalise and the Lee Zeldin was attacked on stage. Well, those are some of just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those and more over at CBNnews.com. And Billy and Trey... The Paul Pelosi attack, first of all, I mean, just horrible. No excuse for this. I think both sides, most people have condemned this, and rightfully so. It's it's getting out of control when people are feeling like they need to act out in violence. And people need to be clear about denouncing violence because we've seen it excused in some circumstances. 
uh, over the past couple of years. And we just can't, we cannot let the country get to this place. People have to, you, you can't take, you know, attack ads in politics, which everyone knows are rhetorical. And I'm not saying that those are healthy, but it is not a sane response to then go out and then try to physically, you know, attack. I mean, you've, I, I mentioned the Steve Scalise one and Lee Zeldin. Also, someone showed up to try to assassinate a, you know, conservative uh, Supreme Court justice. So um, this is a concerning trend. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things here. The first is that I think it's abysmal that our first thing that we do when this happens it's, is, yes. oh, what was the person's ideology? Right. Oh, it's so look, bad. It was all, it's so bad. I mean, that's just awful. But the other piece of this is that very clearly we have mental and spiritual health crises in this country. And I think both sides of the aisle, all sides of the aisle, when you're a politician and when you're a pundit and when you're out there saying things, I do think we we need to start thinking what kind of culture have we created when we know we have this stuff going on? I mean, it's just, it's insane to think that people would go and attack. I don't know how else we really solve that problem, but I do think we need to think, and again, I'm not blaming anybody for this. What's coming out of our mouths? What are we saying? And what's the cultural impact of that? Mm. Yeah, and no, I think that's true. And I mean, also Rand Paul was one who was yeah, uh, attacked. That's right. Uh, not, that, not that long ago either. So I think a lot of it too is we can't rely on the media to 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 be kind of the the ones who are arbiting, you know, the arbiter of truth here and also the arbiter of what's morally right or wrong. Because like both of you said, it doesn't really matter the political affiliation, but that seems to be the obsession. And then I think the media fuels that obsession, right, by kind of playing into that. And then that just makes the division even worse, I yeah. think, is, is we end up then being even more polarized instead of caring about the fact that a human being attacks another human being right. and I don't really care what they think. So that should be our focus. So I think a good way to deal with that is just to know what happened and then not, not consume any sort of mainstream media information about it and really just spend time in prayer for, for the people who were hurt, for the people who attacked, and then also for our own hearts, right? That yeah. we don't, we don't become that hardened to, to, to other people. Right, and hopeless, because as Christians, we have to know that God is sovereign over all this. I mean, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. Look at Scripture and look at some of the crazy things that were going on, and God was sovereign over all of it, and God is ultimately accomplishing his purposes. So so while we can strive for the things we think will help our society the most, as Christians, we have to have a disposition to where we are not rattled when things yeah. don't go our way. We're not rattled and we're not in despair when things aren't going your way. The people who are in charge aren't the ones you want in charge. You just have to double down as a Christian and keep extending um, God's grace and God's love to people and keep pushing the gospel. Just keep doing those things. Point people to Christ in the midst of the chaos. That's where uh, kind of ultimately we should land as Christians. Well, yeah, when you start to take away hope, and this is, you know, we've seen this in every survey and every study about happiness and contentedness down the line. When you start to take away God and take away hope, you leave people with this yeah. vacuum and politics becomes a God for some. And an again, idol, yeah. some of these, some of these people are mentally ill, obviously we, we know that, but, but the point is we're seeing, I think this rise in political violence and chaos partially because of that removal of truth Absolutely. and that replacement. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. Well said. All right. Let's head into our next story here. And it is Reformation Day, as I like to call it. And my family will uh, obnoxiously be telling anyone who wanders uh, into our driveway over our uh, bonfire that we'll have going out in the driveway. They will learn that it is indeed Happy Reformation Day. Uh, that is what we'll say to them. And we'll get a lot of strange looks 
but hopefully some good conversations. But anyway, are you celebrating Halloween tonight? There are some Christians warning against doing just that. And Billy, you talked to one of these. Yeah, her name is Jen Niza, and she's out in Long Island. Really interesting person. We've had her on before. She was an ex-psychic. So for 25 mm. years, like as a teenager, she started. And this was not just somebody who walked around saying, oh, I have these abilities. She, It was part of her life. It was a business. She read people, was paid to do it, um, but really believed deeply in being a medium before finding Jesus. Mm. And um, why does she say that Halloween can be problematic? So it's interesting uh, because Jen believes essentially that Halloween opens up demonic doors. And she talked about, and we know this to be true, right? Regardless of where people stand on whether Halloween should be celebrated or not, it promotes divination, right? It yeah. promotes Ouija boards, witchcraft. And, you know, you see this everywhere. And she talked a lot in our interview about the fact that, you know, we see it in stores, on social media, on sweatshirts. It's become so, you know, ingrained in the culture and that because Halloween elevates those things, there's some real dangers mm. and um how when when she was a psychic what did she used to do on halloween yeah and this is one of the reasons i actually really love talking with jen nisa <laughs> because she's not over the top she's very you know she, she talked about the fact that like you know look there's a creepiness to halloween there's an elevated spiritual time that because everybody's diving in trying to do these things but it was a big night for her she was brought in for parties she was it was a big monetary night oh, wow. right like they'd want to have the medium there so like we'll hire you to come to our halloween party and so she talked about the dangers of halloween parties even for christians right because they might have a medium there like you might be going to the party thinking oh, i'm just going to hang out um, but they may have somebody like her there but on halloween night that's what she spent a lot of her time doing if she wasn't out you know partying herself she was hired to be that person at those parties reading wow. people that is really crazy that there's a demand for the, this service on halloween um <laughs> how did she respond to christians who take part in Halloween. Yeah, she basically said, look, this is not something that Christians should do. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people will say, look, we can redeem the holiday. And she was like, she she actually asked a really interesting question. And I think it's convicting. And you know, she said, I think you have to think about why are you trying to redeem something that is demonic? Yeah. You know, it was just a really specific sort of yeah. pointed question. And she, and she said, look, we're called to be godly parents and we have to be very careful with this, with this day. Yeah, that's a good point. And so, what does she say to those who dismiss you know, psychic abilities as just, well, this is just they've got parlor tricks going on here. What does she say? Yeah, so it's also interesting because she's not hyper charismatic, which you might assume for somebody who's come out of that world and come into be you know into Christ, being a Christian and a believer. She talked though about the fact that the church needs to talk more about divination and these issues because they're real. And she said a lot of Christians will dismiss it as parlor tricks, um, but she actually called that and she said, "I mean this with respect, but it's spiritually ignorant." to walk away saying that, you know, this is somebody, again, strong believer now, but who actually lived in this realm and explained what it was like to do those readings, where she was communicating with demons who she didn't realize were demons at the time. So, um, yeah, she just thinks the church needs more education on the topic. All right. What are you guys, uh, what are you guys doing tonight um, in light of all this that's going on? Do you guys have a uh, – I'm just curious to know what y'all are doing I already kind of stated what I'm doing. We'll, we'll be sitting out there. We don't really go around. Um, and we just kind of, you know, we, uh, you know, we, um, as I said, say happy Reformation Day to people and things like that and try to point people to Christ in the midst of this. So I'm curious as to what you guys are doing and what's your, what are just your thoughts kind of on this whole deal? Yeah. You know, 
for us, we have two kids. We have a very limited quote unquote celebration of the day. The kids dress up and usually we have family over for dinner and then they, we live in townhomes. And so like we go down to our neighbors quickly and kind of come back. It's not a big night for us. It's not something that we really participated in in a big way. So we keep it simple. I will be consuming as much candy as I possibly, <laughs> possibly know. I don't see really that's do how much. they get you. That's how they get you. I, in. I, I like having a pillowcase full so, of candy too. <laughs> right. This is what I normally, usually I don't really do anything. I live in a neighborhood. So sometimes I'll, you know, I'll be out there and, do, and give some candy out if the, there aren't very many kids on my street. So usually what I do is, is, is nothing. I might get together with some friends and, and watch a movie or something. And then tomorrow, one, it's Christmas, but two, also <laughs> all of the candy from Halloween is on clearance. So I just go and buy whatever's hey. left and then I've got candy. Now, that is a good approach that I can get on board with. But I mean, I'm just curious because it is something I think Christians. Yeah, they I mean, there are a lot of people with, who think. aren't thinking and they just go out and do things. Right. But then there are a lot of people who are conflicted about it, you know. And so yeah. what do you do? And I think there's valid approaches uh, on a wide range of spectrums, like avoid it completely or, you know, trying to interact with people and like point out some some things, you know, spiritually um, while you're in the midst of it. Um, I, I think well, so. I think there's a lot of ways you can go with it. We were at an event just to mention quickly because it's interesting over the weekend and it was it was kind of like a trunk or treat type of thing. And the yeah. kids got some candy and again, really quick thing in and out. But there was one car and I could not believe what I was seeing. They were dressed up as psychics. They had, I mean, a Ouija board out. They had the the satanic Jeez. Bible. It was actually like jarring and the kids didn't see it like we kept them away from it. Um, but my wife and I were like, my goodness, I had not seen anything like that before. They had literally every relic, everything you can imagine in the occult out. And just as though it was this fun thing. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely have to be on alert as a Christian. Whatever you choose to do, you know, still be discerning, be on alert. I mean, that's a good re- a reminder for us all here. So uh, thanks for that one, Billy. Appreciate it. We're going to head into the main thing now. And Seven Weeks Coffee, they're billing themselves as the first pro-life coffee company in this Um, As the issue becomes front and center ahead of the midterm elections, well, Madison Seals caught up with their owner to talk about how their business is supporting the pro-life cause in the midst of this heated debate on today's main thing. Well, welcome into today's main thing. And if you are a pro-life Christian and a coffee enthusiast, then you're in for a treat today because I'm talking to our guest about both of these things. I'm here with Anton Kresik to talk about his pro-life coffee company, Seven Weeks Coffee. Anton, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Madison. Happy to be here. So let's start with the name of your company. Why Seven Weeks Coffee? Yeah, so um, we're a pro-life coffee company. That's probably the number one question we get. Why Seven Weeks? And the name uh, is is kind of representing of our mission. At seven weeks, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. And at the same time, mom hears their first ultrasound between six and eight weeks. Usually a mother will have their first ultrasound. So that's kind of our our name and how we get tied into the pro-life movement. That's so cool. I love that because I didn't even realize that. But when you talk about comparing the size of a baby to Mm -hmm. a fruit or a vegetable or some sort of object, it just gives us such a better concept of the growth and development there. So I love that. And there's also a very clear faith element to seven weeks coffee that I'd like to mention because it's right there on your website. It says our mission is to promote godly values, provide excellent coffee and protect every beating heart. So can you talk about how you do these things through selling coffee? 
Yeah. So from the get go, the whole idea um, was to obviously not just be a pro-life company, but also be a Christian company, too, with with these Christian values, which are ultimately pro-life values. So we are unapologetically pro-life. As a Christian, I wanted to share those values in this business. So we work with uh, specifically pro-life pregnancy centers, and a lot of those are faith-based centers. So that's a main way we're able to kind of grow and share um, the pro-life message, but also a gospel message. It's really cool. The centers we get to support through our coffee sales are ultimately sharing the gospel with these women in need, which is a huge you know, component to the pro-life movement that not a lot of people know about, but they're amazing place where people get to hear the gospel. So yeah, we're unapologetically pro-life. Uh, we're a Christian company and obviously to protect every beating heart, because again, the heartbeat at seven weeks, you know, a mom's usually hearing the first ultrasound and seeing the heartbeat for the first time. So that's kind of how the, our mission statement is. And we try to live that out every day as best as we can. Yeah. And it sounds like you're succeeding. I saw that you guys have raised over 25,000 for pregnancy centers nationwide so far. Yeah, it's been amazing. And it's really cool. I'm actually, as we're talking, we're actually coming up on a one year anniversary just in a few days, actually. So in one year, we've raised over $25,000 for pregnancy care centers. I had no idea that's what the case or what that would be um, a year ago, but it really just started out as an idea, like maybe we can sell some coffee and support our local center. And it's really just taken off and now we have you know thousands of coffee drinkers from all over the country who are enjoying our product, but also letting their coffee serve a greater purpose. And yeah, over $25,000 raised for centers. It's been surreal. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I want to talk about the, the timing here next, because like you said, you started this business about a year ago. And congratulations again on your anniversary. <laughs> you probably had no idea that Roe v. Wade would be overturned in the Supreme Court this year. So I'm just curious, what prompted you to start this company in the first place? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, I had, first of all, no idea that would be happening kind of as we were getting started. So this Seven Weeks Coffee was founded last year uh, in the fall, and it really just was out of personal passion for coffee um, and a desire to found a company and lead a company that really puts values first. I just think there's so much going on with that, with cancel culture and woke corporatism that's just you're seeing right now where it's so hard for us to shop our values or to purchase things from companies that don't hate us. Um, it's very it's very difficult. And I was like, you know, coffee is such a great product that we all consume. And a lot of times, you know, you have companies like they're at like Starbucks that are supporting abortion. So I had this idea for why not a pro-life coffee company. And when I, when I had this idea, I, I was doing some research. I could not see anything in that space. And I was like totally mind blown. I was like, wow, there's no one doing this. Like pro, the pro-life movement's a huge movement. It's a huge segment of the population. We should be telling a message, sharing a story within this space. So that's really how the idea originated. And then the name was quickly spun up after that. And um, I think it's really, you know, led to kind of the whole mission coming together. But yeah, the whole idea was not to just be pro-life, but to be leading with our values in a tangible way. So we like to say we make a tangible impact, you know, with every bag of coffee we sell. And that's how we raise all this money for centers because we donate 10% of every sale. So it's a huge portion of our profits. It's kind of a very unique business model. But yeah, so the whole idea is we want to be unapologetically pro-life and actually make a difference, not just say we are, but you know, we're, we're able to donate a substantial amount of money now to centers in need. It's kind of like tithing, giving 10% of your income back to God and trusting that he will bless that money and multiply it more than we ever could. So while it may seem counterintuitive or unconventional to some, that's really what faith is. And seven weeks is a perfect example of that. 
So now from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I'm just curious how this process has been for you and your wife, especially starting a business in such a competitive market like the coffee industry and also with a mission that's so politically controversial. Yeah, it, that's there was a lot. You know, it's funny. I had this idea for Seven Weeks Coffee two weeks after my wife and I got married. So we got married and then I come to her like two weeks later. I'm like, hey, I got this crazy idea. What do you think? And luckily and, and thankfully, she was on board. And I give her credit. She helped me come up with the name. Um, she's a nurse, my wife, Krista. And she helped me come up with the name. And that was been a huge catalyst of it. But she was totally on board, super supportive. We do this together. And I'm so grateful for her support in it. But from a business and an entrepreneurial standpoint, it was a shot in the dark in a sense because you have no idea where things go. But the whole idea was just to honor God with this idea. And I remember the first the first few weeks of just getting it up and running and trying to find a coffee supplier. And luckily, I ended up working with someone. I continue to work with the same supplier who's a strong believer, believes in our mission, believes in the pro-life movement. Um, so it's great to work with him. But also, God has just opened so many doors that no idea would would be there. I just thought we could sell some coffee to support our local center, um, and God's using it for so much more that I I couldn't see uh, you know happening when we started. But just kind of it kind of goes to show you like just just be faithful in the little because you never know what God has planned in the long term. Definitely, and props to Krista for her faithfulness right off the bat in mm-hmm. marriage. And yeah, that's awesome to hear that support. So how would you encourage people who say that they want to keep their faith separate from their job or their hobbies because they don't want to offend anybody? How would you encourage those people? Yeah, I, it's, it's a, I understand the point, but the, the, as Christians and also as, as Christians, we live out our faith we're supposed to in many different ways and not just inside the church. There's this, to me, the scariest threat to uh, our country and to society is when the church shuts its doors and locks itself in. As believers, we need to live our faith out in a many different ways, you know, who we vote for and also who we shop with, you know, and shopping our values is a huge part of, you know, something we can do as Christians that I don't think a lot of us realize that, but we're starting to wake up like where we spend our money matters. So if we're trying to, you know, segregate those parts of our lives to, you know, church on Sunday, you know, the rest of the week, I'm staying away from, you know, controversial topics. We're kind of doing a disservice to what we're supposed to be living out, which is, um, you know, bringing the light of Christ to every area of our, our, our lives, including work and including where we shop. So that's what we're standing for. You're going to get feedback from, um, you know, both sides that's, you know, positive and negative. But for me, I, I, I always want to focus on what the mission is. And if I believe in the mission and that's something I'm, you know, sold on in my heart, I don't mind, you know, the negative comments or the, you know, the hate message that we might get sometimes because we know we're we're doing the right thing. That's ultimately what you want to live out each and every day. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the abortion issue, after Roe mm-hmm. was overturned, a lot of pro-life leaders said that the fight against abortion is just beginning. So are you hopeful about the impact that the pro-life movement has had on the issue leading up into the midterms? Yeah, absolutely. It is just beginning and it's becoming a a winnable fight now in a sense, because it is a state issue, state by state, locality by locality, we can pass pro-life legislation. And so the overturning of Roe v. Wade is just a 50-year miracle that we're all celebrating. Been so much, you know, hard work poured into this movement. And it is just getting started now in a sense of where we can see, you know, we're seeing heartbeat bills pass. We're seeing the Texas heartbeat bill pass. We're seeing other legislation in states, you know, passed through that is truly saving lives. So 
And now, you know, as a coffee company, what are we trying to do? We're trying to support more centers who are in um, these, you know, you know, either critical swing states that are facing either, you know, could be pro-abortion legislation or, you know, pro-life legislation. And the thing is, local pregnancy centers are going to be the ones who are meeting the women in need continually. So they need our support more than ever now. They need resources. They need funding. Um, so, you know, we think we're here just to serve them, you know, and double our efforts as much as we can. So, you know, God is definitely showing us different ways to go and different centers to support. And we're trying to just be there for as many centers as we can. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's truly an all hands on deck movement and we want everyone to be involved. If you're a Christian and you're pro-life, it's time to, time to get involved and, you know, maybe drinking a cup of coffee can be part of it too. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say, I want our, our listeners to be involved. So I couldn't have a guest on to talk about coffee if we didn't talk a little bit more about the coffee itself. So yeah. can you kind of tell listeners uh, what types of coffee you sell and where they can go to buy it? Yeah, I, this is a, 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 I love talking about coffee too, because I'm a big coffee drinker. And so just to preface all this, when we started, we wanted not just to have a, a good mission, which is, you know, supporting pregnancy care centers, um, but also have a good product. We luckily, have, or we're trying to um, really strive at excellence for both of those. And we have an amazing product. We work with one of the best roasters in the country. Um, it's all specialty grade coffee. And it's also direct trade source means we're directly helping farmers in need. Coffee is one of the largest commodities in the world traded outside of global oil. Coffee is the second largest commodity traded. So there's actually a lot of corruption oh, wow. in the industry, slave labor and child labor. And one of the ways to stand against that is through direct trade sourcing. It means we have a direct relationship with the farmers who are actually growing the coffee. And we get to pay them legitimate wages twice as much as fair trade requires. So we're directly helping farmers with this coffee. And it's not just, you know, helping them um, and helping, you know, pregnancy care centers. It's also just a great product, too. So um, it's all organically farmed, low acid, um, no mold, no pesticides, which a lot of coffee has. A lot of coffee has mold in it. It's 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 kind of frightening when you kind of peel back the, the curtains. It's gonna there's some bad coffees out there. So luckily we don't have that. It's a really great product, and yeah, it's all on our website. That's sevenweekscoffee.com. Great. I was going to say I can vouch for the light roast. I have yet to try the dark roast, awesome. but I'm sure they're all amazing. And I know they're ethical, both in terms of sourcing and what your company stands for. So Anton, thanks again for joining me today. And thank you for everything that you're doing for the pro-life movement and for all of us coffee lovers out there. Well, thank you for having me, Madison. I'm happy to be here. And thank you for letting me share a little bit about Seven Wings Coffee. I appreciate it. All right, Madison, thanks for that story there. Appreciate it. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And uh, Billy, we're going to head over to 1 Corinthians 5. Yep, 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. And <laughs> it's just, it's it's fascinating because it's Paul, obviously. And we talk a lot about the outside world, but I think sometimes we don't maybe handle the internal things going out in the church as yeah. well as we should. Yeah, and we're called in Scripture to really, I mean, even to care for fellow believers and brothers and sisters in Christ first and foremost ahead of other things, but we can't expect unbelievers to kind of happily graft into the things we're talking about. So I think it's a good reminder. 
Well, I think it makes perfect sense, right? Because if if you're looking at it, I mean, I'm not going to come, I don't mean to compare the church to a business, but for the <laughs> sake of the example, if you look at a business and it's completely horribly run, <laughs> they're all over the place, <laughs> yeah. nothing really makes much sense. I wouldn't necessarily be inclined to invest in that business right. or to buy something from that business, right? Because what kind of product are you going to get? So obviously a bad comparison, but I think the point remains, if, if the church doesn't look like it's got its stuff together, we're not caring for one another. Uh, we're not ensuring that we're following what scripture says we're doing, what Christ calls of us. If we're not doing that internally amongst ourselves, it doesn't really make much sense that an outsider would trust right. us as the body of Christ, as his ambassadors to be able to, you know, advance truth. So I think it's important that we have our values where they should be, have our principles where they should be before we go out and, and, and spread the gospel as we're called to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. We'll leave it there for the day. That's it uh, for this episode, for the Monday episode of the podcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating, all the fun stuff. Uh, And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we'll be back here again tomorrow uh, with more news from a Christian perspective. And you can always head over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. Keep up with today's latest news. God bless. See you back here tomorrow.